Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Extend info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's hope to 200-200. Listen and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. What I want to know as we begin our show on this Monday afternoon is, did you go out and do anything this weekend that you haven't done for the past six to eight weeks because of the COVID-19 stay-at-home directives? Did you go out and do anything eat? You know, I was going to go out and grab a bite to eat, but we didn't. We just ran out of time this week working from home, and we had family over. But, uh, you know, I went out today, and... You just get a sense that things are slowly getting back to normal. I, I, I Fortunate enough, they, the, the mayor of Kaysville and Layton finally decided to open up the park, so I went and got in, in a uh, uh, session of pickleball this morning. There were probably, when I left, I want to say anywhere between 30 and 40 people, maybe 35, somewhere around then. Uh, nobody was wearing a mask. Uh, pickleball is a game of social distancing to begin with anyways. Uh, and I think, you know, and nobody was talking about it. I think they just felt good to get back on a court. So if I did anything different, that's probably what it is. But later on, I had to run to a, um, a plumbing store to get some, uh, some items for my uh, lawn sprinkling system that I have here. Need a little bit of repair. Had to buy a couple of new uh, sprinkler heads for it. And people were coming in and out of the store. They had a nice sign as you walked into the store, you know, please wash your hands. They had hand sanitizer there. And they had built this little barrier to put more distance between the customers and the people working the counter. I saw one or two people wearing a mask, but I think for the most part, you know, people were going about their daily business. And that that that's the sense I get, the feel that I'm getting for all of this. Now, I, I tried this weekend as I drove by restaurants to see if anybody was inside. There were a few cars parked out, but I wouldn't call a lot of them. So I'm not sure if that's an indication that people are still a little reluctant to go. And maybe you'll pick up as time goes on. Who knows? As uh, uh, state epidemiologist uh, Angela Dunn said during Abby's newscast a moment ago, that the next two weeks are going to be critical. Because I think if we maintain, we continue to do well we may see more things open up. How are you, everybody? Hello, Utah, and welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this Monday afternoon. A beautiful day. It looks like we're going to have a beautiful week. And, man, have we got a lot to get to. Coming up in a uh, few minutes, I will be announcing the first of 12 nurses over the next through day, next few days, nurses and healthcare workers, that we'll be recognizing as we kick off National Nurses Day on Wednesday and these nurses were selected because of nominations that you sent in. 
And uh, each of the nurses today or the healthcare workers will be getting a free blanket from our good friends at Minky Couture. So we'll announce that here coming up very, very shortly. A little bit later on, we'll talk about what Joe Biden's possible VP choices are saying about the allegations against him. And remember that idea, that uh, contact tracing idea, people coming into the state, either uh, landing at the airport or coming in through a car, would be contacted and that, you know, would fill out a certain thing, go to a, um, uh, a, an application so the state could follow you just to see what, you know, who you were coming in contact with. If in fact you had coronavirus and who were you were exposing uh, to it, if in fact you did. Well, after only a few days, apparently that thing has fizzled out and we'll talk about that as well. So that's just the first hour on what is generally a very, very busy day here on the Rod Arquette Show. And like I said, great to be with you this afternoon as we... Uh, we're pretty jam-packed again today, and we invite you to stay with us throughout the day. Now, a couple of things I want to get to. You know, I love it when a politician, or when anybody really, but a politician especially, will admit that maybe they went a little too far. Maybe just a little bit. Well, here you have Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, who is not a big supporter of the president, although he is a Republican governor there, but not a supporter of this. Uh, was on ABC's uh, Sunday morning talk show. And he said a statewide order mandating face masks be worn in stores probably went too far. Um, Mike DeWine, this, he said, it became clear to me that was just a bridge too far. People were not going to accept the government telling them what they should do. Appearing uh, from Cedarville, Ohio, DeWine told uh, co-anchor Martha Raddus, this was just one order that he felt went too far, and of course he canceled it. Now, remember, DeWine was one of the uh, first governors to implement statewide closures amid the coronavirus pandemic, uh, closing schools on March 12th and postponing the state primaries on March 17th. So here you have the governor of Ohio, and I wish I, I, it'll be interesting to see if other politicians do this. I highly doubt it. But coming out and saying, you know, on that mask ordering thing, we probably just went a little too far. Really? Well, thank you for thinking about that. Now, Britt Hume, I love this term, scaring people into obeying. Because I think that's what it, it, that's exactly what has been taking place in this country for the past six to eight weeks. Well, Britt Hume, formerly with ABC News, now a contributor on Fox News, I think he's really done a fantastic job in making sure the American people get, get to see valid and pertinent information about COVID-19, uh, especially if it goes against the notion that locking people in their homes for months on end is the only solution, right? Well, this time, Britt Hume shared a piece of Nobel Prize-winning scientist. His name is Professor Michael Levitt, not the Michael Levitt you're thinking about, who claimed the virus was never exponential and that its mitigation efforts were not the main reason the curves flattened. Now, this is from what the uh, Professor Levitt had to say. His observation is as simple. It's a very simple one. That an outbreak after outbreak of this disease, a similar mathematical pattern, is observable regardless of government intervention. After about a two-week exponential growth of cases and subsequently deaths, some kind of break kicks in and growth starts slowing down. The curve quickly becomes sub-exponential. So this was, I, I, what was it, two, three weeks ago? 
uh, we were talking about this uh, math uh, professor in Israel that basically suggested the same thing. It comes in, it peaks fairly quickly, and then it slow, starts slowing. And you've seen that, you've seen it all over the place uh, in all kinds of countries, and I think you're even seeing it here in the United States. Uh, and by the way, the CEO of Southwest Airlines have a big operation here in Salt Lake City. It's one of the largest U.S. air companies out there, has insisted today it is now safe for travelers to fly again. Uh, he also said that air traffic, nearly paralyzed by this pandemic, was gradually reviving. He was on CBS whether it was safe to fly, and Gary Kelly replied, it is. We're doing everything possible to encourage people to come back and fly, and man, I hope they do. I hope we get back to normal, don't you? So there's just a couple of the stories to update you on what's going on on the COVID-19 pandemic. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be basically talking uh, about how the possible VP candidates for Joe Biden are dealing with the Tara Reid allegations. That's coming up on the Rod Arquette Show. All this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at least, every hour we are going to be soliciting one of the great nurses or healthcare workers here in the state of Utah. It's part of our National Nurses Day salute, and I want to announce our first winner today is Al Phelps. He was nominated by Carrie Weaver, and here's what Carrie had to say about Al Phelps. As a nurse at the Veterans Administration Hospital, he is dedicated to giving the best care possible to his patients and is a fierce advocate for them. He doesn't view his work as heroic. He simply sees it as doing his duty. He finds it rewarding to be able to serve our vets, good for him, and show in some small way his gratitude for their service. He loves spending time with his parents, and his patients, I should say, and talking to them in hearing their story. So we want to salute Al Phelps as one of our national nurses of the day, great healthcare nurses worker or nurses here in the state of Utah. And Al, just because of this nomination letter today and your wonderful efforts, you will receive a beautiful new designer blanket from Minky Couture. Congratulations. We'll announce another winner coming up in our number two of the show. I want to take a minute right now and talk to you about the real estate market. Do you, you know, I saw another story today about buying or selling a home. With real estate or with interest rates as low as they are right now, why not put your home on the market? Why not buy a new home? You're probably not going to get a better deal right now. That's what Justin Udy has been telling me. He said, we have, we have homes. Homes are selling. People are buying. People are interested. They're doing their research, and they're making up their decisions quickly. So if you're ready to sell your home and you want to sell it quickly and get as much money as possible out of your home, I say you reach out to Justin Udy and Team Real Estate. He has the latest in technology, including a uh, drone will fly over your home, take uh, video of the neighborhood so people will be able to get, see where the home is. He offers a 360 virtual tour of your, your home, and a lot of the paperwork anymore can simply be done online. So don't worry about getting people into your house. Justin is there to help market and sell your home with the latest in technology. If you want to find out more with Justin, remember he has a 29-day guarantee. You list your home with Justin, and if it's not sold in the first 29 days, he'll sell it for absolutely no commission. Want to find out more? He's with the Century 21 Everest Group. Just go to justinudcrisisresource.com to learn more. That's smallbusinesscrisisresource.com because your small business is big to us.
Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Did you hear this crazy story this afternoon? Abby will have more details on it coming up at the bottom of the hour. About a five-year-old apparently somehow stole his parents' car, found his way onto the freeway, and made it from about 17th Street to and Lincoln to Ogden down to the 25th Street off-ramp. He's five years old. Apparently, he wanted to take the car to California and buy like a Ferrari or a Maserati. And he had a couple of bucks on him, and that was about it. What a crazy. Lamborghini, I'm sorry. Thank you, E-Ray. Lamborghini, uh, what a crazy story. And Abby, of course, will have more details on that coming up. Welcome back to the Rod Arquette All right, boy, what a weekend it's been again for uh, the likely Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden, as he tries to deal with these uh, allegations of sexual assault coming from Tara Reid. A total of six people have now stepped forward and said, yes, Tara Reid did tell us about her story after she claimed she was sexually assaulted by the former U.S. Senator from Delaware. Well, joining us on our Newsmaker line right now to talk more about this is Tristan Justice. Tristan is a staff writer at The Federalist talking about the VP picks that uh, Joe Biden is looking over. Boy, it puts them in a difficult position right now, doesn't it, Tristan? <laughs> yes, it, absolutely. I mean, look, there is no better example of hypocrisy in American politics than the treatment that we are seeing of Tara Reid's sexual assault allegations. Not only has the media just completely ignored this for, for I mean, more than it took, it took the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, nearly a month to even report on this, but Joe Biden's vice presidential picks all of whom were, were supposed champions for women, and all of whom participated in this character assassination of Brett Kavanaugh a year and a half ago, are now breathtakingly silent on these accusations from Tara Reid. And when Biden finally addressed them, that forced some of these picks to come out and at least make a few statements on them. But they really haven't done them any help. I mean, Stacey Abrams in 2018 um, shouted, I believe women, all over Twitter. Um, but last week, she offered Biden her unwavering support. Kamala Harris, another not another possible candidate for vice president, she said that she made the claim in 2018 that any woman who came forward to testify before Congress on sexual assault allegations must be believed, and that was adequate evidence for um, that was adequate evidence to believe her allegations. I mean, this was a woman who was Attorney General of California, <laughs> and. <laughs> Now, um, when it came to, comes to Tara Reid, she's offering Biden her support um, w- without examining the evidence here. Amy Klobuchar, she was, she was adamant that the FBI launched a full-blown investigation of the Kavanaugh uh, accusations in 2018. But now, Klobuchar released a statement last month saying, that which was inconclusive, by the way, is enough to, to exonerate Joe Biden. And, I mean, just to lay out the facts here, Tara Reid has five witnesses, at least five witnesses, who have come yeah. out and, and credibly corroborated Reid's timeline of events. Christine Blasey Ford was never able to prove that she and Brett Kavanaugh had ever even met, let alone provide a single witness throughout the entire saga to support her claim. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Pretty the amazing. Tristan, to- yeah. yeah. Tristan, let me ask you this. How can these possible candidates... And by the way, I understand they're all kind of lobbying to be the VP candidate because they know they, in fact, Mm -hmm. could become president, knowing the state that Joe Biden is in right now. But how on earth can they look at the American people right in the eye and say he should be treated differently than Brett Kavanaugh was? Because isn't that basically what they're saying? Oh, absolutely. And and in fact, um, they're saying that Biden, 
they're saying that Biden should be treated differently, not just by the American people, but they're treating him differently themselves. I mean, there was a lot of grandstanding going on in 2018. The presidential election was coming up in two years. You had midterms in November. Um, so, of course, it's natural to see a lot of grandstanding by Democratic senators. But now this kind of culture that Brett Kavanaugh was warning the American people about a year and a half ago has really come back to bite the Democrats because everything that they were pushing to to blindly believe sexual assault allegations, it's now come back to haunt them as their their presumptive nominee for president is facing <laughs> allegations far more credible than, than Kavanaugh ever in his lifetime faced. Um, and so it, it, it kind of, it, it, it's really, it, it's haunting the Democrats. It, it, it's haunting the Believe Women groups that um, that blew up all these Me Too allegations a year and a half ago, but have now not offered Reid a word of support. Um, Tara Reid was ignored by Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris before she made these claims public. I mean, it's astounding what the hypocrisy that we've seen here um, come on from the left. Um, but at the same time, I also want to make very clear, we don't know if Biden is guilty either. The presumption of innocence is a standard that, that was sadly not upheld for Brett Kavanaugh. But I mm-hmm, think in this mm-hmm. case, what we learn in Kavanaugh is, is we've learned that that, and that standard must stand, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. And there's a lot of reasons to believe that Biden still might be innocent here. Um, we still haven't seen the complaint that Tara Reid says she filed. Biden has, uh, Biden has denied the claims himself. Former Biden Senate staffers have, de- have denied the claims themselves. Biden is no, by yeah. no means clearly guilty here, but the media and the Democrats clearly are. Yeah, well, what was uh, I thought was 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 laughable over the weekend when you had the New York Times editorial coming out and saying, yes, we need to investigate Joe Biden, and we think the committee of the Democratic National Committee should be put together to investigate this. I mean, come on, why not call for an independent counsel to take a look at this if they're that concerned about it? I mean, it's the blind leading the blind, um, <laughs> and it really it really comes as no surprise uh, the New York Times said that after. More than a month that these read these these read allegations became public. I mean, it t- again, it took New York Times and Washington Post almost three weeks until they ran a single story on Tara Reid. CNN published more than seven hundred pieces on Christine Blasey Ford in twenty eighteen. CNN had not written a single article about Tara Reid for more than a month after Reid came forward with her allegations. Joe Biden himself, there he gave nineteen interviews within five weeks after these allegations came public. And he wasn't asked about these, these, these accusations once in, in, in any of those interviews. Um, now let's contrast that to the media treatment in 2018. I mean, Bozzy Ford, she was, given, she was given the red carpet. <laughs> I yeah, mean, this yeah, was yeah. She a was hero. character yeah. assassination. Yeah, she was heralded as a hero. Kind of interesting. Tristan, great chatting with you. Thanks for a few minutes of your time tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, joining us on our Newsmaker Line, Tristan Justice. He is a staff writer of The Federalist talking about the potential VP picks. Thirsty for higher office, of course. They're kind of overlooking the allegations against the vice president. And again, nothing's been proven yet. But it's interesting how the media and the Democratic Party are now working overtime to protect Joe Biden in light of these speakers and more over 250 different devices. iHeartRadio, because music is never canceled. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. The Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know, inviting you to stay with us in the 5 o'clock hour. We will recognize another great nurse or healthcare worker here in the state of Utah. It's all part of our effort to honor National Nurses Day, which is coming up on Wednesday. We've already announced one winner, and that winner will get a beautiful blanket, designer blanket, from Minky Couture, and we'll have another nominee, and we'll read their name and tell a little bit about them coming up in the 5 o'clock hour and award them with a brand-new designer blanket from Minky Couture. So stay with us. Well, I think, if nothing else, you have to give them an A for effort. There was an experiment done here in the state of Utah as part of this um, idea of contact tracing anyone who may have symptoms or have COVID-19 to attract them or track them and to see who they've come in contact with, who they've talked to, to help determine if, in fact, the virus is spreading. And the state of Utah did that with people flying into the airport or driving into the state, but it didn't go very well. Well, joining us on our Newsmaker line right now to talk more about it is the director of the Utah Department of Transportation, Carlos Braceres. Carlos, how are you? Welcome back to the show. I'm doing well, Rod. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Carlos. Carlos, why did it fizzle out? <laughs> well, um, I appreciate the A for effort, Rod. I really do. Um, you know, this was, this, was, uh, this was a lot of good intention, and it worked well at the airport, you know, and it depends on, of course, in the eye of the beholder a little bit. But, you know, we had about 43% of the people that were handed a postcard at the airport uh, actually fill out the information that we were looking for. You know, we were looking for where they'd been in the previous two weeks, whether or not they had any symptoms of the uh, virus. And so 43, I thought, was a pretty good 
um, percentage. That's over the two-week period. It varied anywhere between 62 and 21, depending on the day. Um, but where we really struggled was, you know, at the roadway entry points. So we identified nine entry points around the state that really constituted the um, most of the people that were coming into the state. And we mm-hmm. had this idea that we would use the federal um, wireless emergency uh, system that would allow us to geofence a very narrow area and send text messages, and they would be sent every five minutes. And that text message would go to all the cell phone, uh, through the cell phone providers, and it would allow those, you know, it would say basically ask the folks to fill out a declaration, and it would give them a hot link to that, uh, to that declaration form. And, you know, so while we were texting, and I, I think it was probably from, we turned it on Friday morning and we went through uh, Monday, uh, we had about 24 to 30% of the people actually respond back and fill it out. But that texting system was a lot more erratic. It wasn't staying within that narrow geofence area. It was sending notices out to a much broader area. And yeah. if you've ever received one of these, like an Amber Alert, it's a very annoying and we annoyed a lot of people, so we shut it down on Monday. And, uh, you know, our, our compliance was about 2 to 5% after that. And so it was, it was not seen as an effective way to gauge those coming into the state. If you had not had the text messaging problems that we've all heard about, do you think the program would have run a little bit better? Yes, I do. And in fact, I have high hopes. The technology, you know, I believe is capable of getting there. It's not quite there yet. And so when you think about it uh, in terms of an evolution, you, you never fully um, create an innovation without first trying it out and then refining. And so this gave us the opportunity to, I think, further refine, identify those problem areas, and we'll continue to work with federal partners on this because I think there's going to be some important uses. If it's not during a pandemic, it could be if we have an earthquake and we need to send out narrow focus messages to folks. So I'm very excited about the potential of the technology. And I think, you know, you know, in putting a you know, glass half full type of idea here, um, it's, uh, we were able to learn a lot with this. Yeah. Were there any questions that uh, people raised about privacy issues that they didn't want? They felt they were being tracked in the state. They didn't want that to happen. Did that ever come up, Carlos? Well, again, we weren't tracking. People were concerned that we actually could push a message to their cell phone. And, you know, we do that today with Amber Alerts and Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. different emergency situations. Um, so I think people were not aware that that was possible, and that was a little bit of a problem. Now, when we um, asked them to fill out the declarations, um, that information went into the health database, and the health folks through the quote tracing program, if they identified having a symptoms, then they were able to contact them, see if they could get tested, and then try to trace and see who other who other folks they had contact with. That's really how we're going to win this uh, battle until a vaccine is created, is we have to contain. And as soon as we identify somebody who's positive, identify all of the people that they've had contact with probably over the last, in the previous 14 days. What difference would it have made if this program really worked well and was up and running? What what kind of a difference do you think it'd be making right now? You know, I think in the context of the the full picture, it, it wouldn't make a 
big difference. I think we were we were fussing on the edges when you look at the amount of folks entering the state. Um, now, if you think about maybe a couple months from now, and if we have maybe one state like Utah, who I believe will do a really good job, um, we're going to probably want to make sure that we better understand uh, where people are coming from uh, until this thing is solved, you know, nationwide and even worldwide. And so I think that uh, understanding of travel is going to be an important aspect in the future. Interesting, interesting. Carlos, as always, great chatting with you. Thank you for your time this afternoon. You're very welcome, Rod. Stay safe and healthy. All right, same to you, Sir Carlos Berceras, Director of the Utah Department of Transportation, talking about this experiment that they tried here in the state of Utah and tracing people, tracking people who came into the uh, state either through about nine high entrance ways on the roadways, I should say, and through the airport. And, of course, they had some problems with the texting issues, and the program fizzled out, so they aren't doing it anymore. A for effort, maybe, right? All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show on this. 9233. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. The Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listening, you'll know. We'll check uh, entertainment news with AJ here in a few minutes, Mitt Romney has an idea. He wants to give people who are on the front lines of this battle against the uh, pandemic, grocery store workers, essentials were like that, an increase in pay as a result of what we're asking them to do. We'll get your reaction to that coming up in the uh, in the 5 o'clock hour here on the Rod Arkent Show. I put this story up on the uh, website, and if you have a minute today, I invite you to go to knrs.com and look under my blog, The Rod Arquette Show. Uh, it is a, uh, it's a guest column. I don't know how many of you may have seen this. If not, I would invite you to go to it and uh, read it. It appeared in a publication called AgriTimes NW. My guess is it's kind of an agricultural newspaper in the, in the Pacific Northwest. And the author is known. But it was picked up the other day someone sent me this, and it was carried, it was a guest column, and it was carried in a number of newspapers around the country, including a newspaper called the Central Oregonian. I imagine that serves Central Oregon. And this may be, I don't know if this is a real story or if it's, if it's totally fictional, but the title is, I Talked to a Man Today. Now, I haven't got time to read this because it's fairly long, but let me just give you a gist to it and maybe entice you a little bit to go read it. It's about an interview a man did with someone who is, he's 80 years plus, all right? And he he grew up during World War II. And what he does is he talks about the, you know, what life was like for most Americans during World War II. And a lot of people have said, we're at war right now with a hidden enemy, and we're talking about coronavirus. But hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brain fog. Insomnia. Moodiness. Weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. He talks about the fact that a lot of people went off to war, you know, uh, a husband, a son, an uncle, who went off to war, and for many families, they didn't hear from them instantaneously. They didn't have the connections or the technology today to instantly talk with people who were at war. So they left to fight for America, yet their families back here at home had no idea either where they were, if they were even still alive. But America carried on. And then he goes into the rationing that took place and how they were limited on almost everything. You couldn't get milk for a week or a week and a half. That was a a small amount of milk. And there was so much more. And he talked about that. And he basically said he just wants to put that in perspective for people who are dealing with coronavirus now. And I invite you to go to our website and give it a read. Uh, And maybe read it to your family or have them read it. Because I think it really puts a lot of this in the proper perspective. Again, it was called I Talked to a Man Today, and I really would encourage you to uh, go take a look at it because I really thought it was a very, very interesting story that was put there, and uh, I would invite you to go do that. Now, there was one other thing I wanted to check real fast before I kick it over to uh, AJ and uh, see what he says. Let me see if I can find it. Hang on, folks. I just got my stack of stuff is all on the computer. Not hard copy, the way I've had it before. But um, again, I can't find what I was looking for. But if you get a chance, go ahead and take a look at that. Because I think it really, really kind of puts everything into perspective. It's called I Talked to a Man Today. Again, I've got it up on the website at knrs.com and the Rod Arquette page. Give it a read. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, time now for entertainment news. Major Hollywood news. Well, on a typical weekend, there would be loads and loads of entertainment news to tell us all about. But we're kind of not in a typical weekend anymore. But AJ, he's been digging. He digs every day and finds some great entertainment news for us. So what's going on, my man? How are you? Oh, man, I got some some good stuff today, man. I got some really good stuff today. They have finally cast... They have cast Joe Exotic for the upcoming TV miniseries <laughs> that will star Carol Baskin, or will star, star Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin. We now know that Nicolas Cage is the man who has been chosen to play Joe Exotic in the Tiger King TV drama miniseries. You know, I kind of like the choice, to be honest. Kind of like it. You and the rest... You and the rest of the internet are rejoicing in this news today. Yeah, I think it he's is, a perfect fit for it. A perfect fit for this guy. I, he looks just homely enough and is just eccentric <laughs> enough in real life to to be this guy already. Like, I think yeah. you could get Joe Exotic to play Nicolas Cage in a TV show. I think that would be hilarious. But Didn't Cage get way. married one day and divorce the next day or something like that? Yeah, she went, she went nuts. There was yeah, video went, of uh, of the two of them at a casino in Vegas last fall, and she was like screaming at him, and he's like, "Oh my god, let's end this now." You could just see it yeah. in his face, and, and it did. <laughs> it ended like twenty four hours later. Well, well, he's perfect. So there's that. 
Uh, the Eagles have postponed the Hotel California tour until 2021. I think the closest they were coming here was Denver, maybe Phoenix, yeah. and those have been uh, postponed until next September yeah, of 2021. Yeah. So there's that. For what, $500 uh, there's a, there's a ticket? A f- $500 a ticket? Isn't well, that what it was going to be? It's okay. It's okay, Rod. <laughs> They're hard up, and they need the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. They, they all need their own separate limousine to come to the show. <laughs> I know. I, know <laughs> I think that's how it I actually know, goes. I, I know where you're going, man. I know where you're going. Ella DeGeneres' old bodyguard coming forward with damaging claims about her. Uh, this guy who was hired in 2014 to protect Ellen DeGeneres and her loved ones at the Oscars is breaking his silence on a TV interview where he says she is not... Well, he doesn't necessarily confirm the demeaning treatment that others have said she's known for, but he does say some pretty negative stuff about her. Now... That said, this guy guarded her for, if I'm correct on this, one night at the Oscars when oh, she was on. probably hosting, come when on. she was uh, yeah. in a high-stress mode. So if you want to yeah. be high-maintenance, it's you get to be high-maintenance the night you get to host the Oscars. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of don't really buy what this guy is saying, but there's other people who have backed him up, so no. maybe yeah. there's some truth no, to we'll it. We'll see. I just we'll love see. Ellen, and I don't want to find out that she's been mean all these years. So. Yeah. yeah, she's been mean. Well, and if she has been, then that's fine. But like, let's not yeah, just yeah. drag her over the coals for no good reason. No. You know what I mean? No, no, uh, that's true. And then let's see, May the Fourth be with you today, May the Fourth. Yes. So uh-huh. uh, Disney Plus celebrating with the release of Rise of Skywalker on their streaming platform. Yeah, baby! All Star Wars movies now available to you on Disney Plus, Rod. On Disney Plus, wow! All right, AJ, talk to you tomorrow, man. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's love to 200-200. Keeping you updated and connecting you with the latest information on the COVID-19 pandemic here in the state of Utah, around the country, and around the world. We're live, we're local, and we're easy to take with you with our iHeartRadio app. So make sure you download it and uh, take it with you each and every day. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Rod Arquette Show on this uh, Monday afternoon. Nice on the outside. bit cool, but uh, a lot of sunshine. And we're going to be uh, riding the roller coaster of temperatures this week. Slowly warm up, dipping down again. But by the weekend, we should have some uh, just delicious type of weather. And uh, it's going to be uh, a great, great week, and hopefully a great, great week for all of us as we try and return to uh, normalcy here in the state of Utah, and we'll get to that. Uh, By the way, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll uh, read the nomination letter of another nurse or healthcare worker here in the state of Utah that we'll be recognizing every hour of this show, both Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as we work toward National Nurses Day on Wednesday. on Wednesday, and of course, uh, let me tell you what, the uh, the nurses and healthcare workers and the doctors in this country really have stepped up and are trying to do whatever they can to uh, help us out. Of course, other areas of the country have been hit harder. I'm thinking of New York and the team of doctors and nurses who left Utah a couple of weeks ago, I believe they're home now, who went to New York City and helped the uh, healthcare workers there. Uh, as we read these names, we'll read their nominating le- nomination letter, a portion of it, and then uh, you know make sure they get a, a wonderful blanket, designer blanket from our good friends at Minky Couture. All right, um, you know, there's story after story. This is going to be talked about 
in this country for a long, long time. It's going to be interesting to see how historians look at this. And we're talking about, you know, America's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, did we go too far? Did we go far enough? Uh, How could we have dealt with this differently? These are all kinds of questions, but a return to normalcy, I think, is what we all want. And I'm not sure, and neither is my next guest, that social distancing is, in fact, the way to overcome COVID-19. I'm talking about Mark Hansen. Mark is a professor of physiology and developmental biology at BYU. He's joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about his article in the D News over the weekend. Mark, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Mark, you know, in trying to get back to normal sometimes, I, I wonder if we're if we're overthinking this a little bit. Are we overthinking it, Mark? I'm not so sure about that. I think that uh, people have become kind of entrenched in one idea. and They're having trouble pivoting away from that idea as realities change, right? So I think the idea of social distancing early on made sense when we didn't really know how bad things would be, and we wanted to make sure that the healthcare system wasn't overwhelmed. Now that we're past that, it's probably time for a new phase, but people have a hard time letting go. Yeah. How can we, how can policies make the transition, Mark? You write about this today with minimal risk. I mean, how can they do it? I think the best overall strategy right now is to divide up the population into those who are at high risk and at low risk. And that seems to break down based on pre-existing conditions, essentially. If you have pre-existing health conditions, this is a disease that's that poses significant risk to you. It's worse than the flu for someone who has got pre-existing conditions, for sure. If you don't have pre-existing conditions, it's really not much of a threat. So social distancing makes sense, and in the lockdown also makes sense. The answer is you have to do both of those things. It's just which of those two groups do you fall into? If you're a pre-existing condition elderly person, then there probably needs to be a lockdown in place for you. An assisted living facility, for example, should be locked down. If you have no pre-existing health conditions, you're healthy, especially if you're young, then it's time to get back to life as normal. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. 
And I don't mean not going out there, but staying six feet away from people and wearing a mask. I mean, you need to go out there and interact with people just like you always did. The whole point there, I think, is to try and develop herd immunity so that uh, the overall population gets exposed, but only in the people who are at low risk. And then eventually we have herd immunity and then the the people who are hiding away because they're at high risk, they can now come out safely. Yeah. I want to talk to you more about herd immunity in a minute, but I want to bring up another point. And you, you talk about this as well, Mark. I heard a gentleman probably a month ago now, it may have been that, he said, you know, in his opinion, the best solution to all of this would be just test everybody, find out who has it, maybe isolate them or whatever, but test everybody. But you say you write that testing, despite great emphasis, is an unlikely solution. Why, Mark? Well, right now, there's three and a half million confirmed cases in the U.S., so that's a lot of testing, right? And I don't think our testing capacity to test everyone is there yet. I mean, we got 350 million people in the U.S. How many tests per day would you have to run in order to get everyone tested in, say, three weeks? I mean, that's it's, it's a lot. That's like 10 million people a day, mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's difficult to achieve that. And then, you know, they test negative first, but then a week later they've been exposed, so you've got to retest them. I, I just don't think that testing is the answer. I think if the outbreak had been smaller and more constrained, like the SARS or MERS outbreaks that happened, you know, a decade ago, almost 20 years ago now in the case of SARS, if that had happened and it had been more constrained, that would have worked. I mean, in the case of those, we're talking about 8,000 cases, for example, in the total outbreak worldwide. That is manageable from a testing standpoint, but but it's it's just not manageable, I think, for, uh, for COVID-19 at this point. What about herd immunity? I, I've had differing opinions, heard from differing people about this. It'll work. Uh, it won't work. It will work, but it's going to take a long time to achieve herd immunity in this country. What are your thoughts on herd immunity, and why do you think that may be a way to go? Well, herd immunity is probably, at this point, the only way to go. I, I mean, if someone is arguing for a vaccine, what they're arguing for is herd immunity, right? So if, if they don't think that, if someone believes that herd immunity is not going to work, then they actually don't believe a vaccine is going to work so I, I think most people say that's not going to work, but they're really trying. They're, what they're really saying is they don't think that the cost of, a, of pursuing herd immunity outweighs the is outweighed by the benefits. This you, you your final comment on all of this this instinctive what you call run and hide response. You know, it may make us feel better, but are we achieving what we need to do? But as you mentioned. And as we're starting to get more data on this and how it's impacting people and who is being affected by, by all of this, do you think we're adapting our, our restrictions to that new data? Are we going in the right direction or do we still have a ways to go, Mark, in adapting to the new data we're receiving now? I think we're turning in the right direction, but the ship of state turns slowly, right? So yeah, we are yeah. seeing the ending of lockdowns in places like Florida and Utah, for example, Georgia. Uh, other states, of course, are trying to really keep the lid on more tightly. I think time will tell whether uh, whether they're right to do that. I think doing what I propose is we're pretty far away from that, actually. Um, 
and I, and I, I want to be clear that I'm not actually advocating for the end of lockdowns entirely. I'm just saying they should be targeted only to those with pre-existing conditions, and then meanwhile you have everyone else go out and live their lives normally. I think from a herd immunity standpoint, the good news is that this disease seems to travel very fast. Now, that sounds like it's bad news, but from a herd immunity standpoint, I was running some numbers earlier this morning. If you have about 100,000 people out there that that have the disease and can transmit it right now, you could have a herd immunity in the United States in about four weeks. That would assume no social distancing, right? So, mm-hmm. obviously, a balance has to be struck between who would be social distance, who would who would not be. Joining us on our Newsmaker Line, Mark Hansen. Mark is a uh, professor of physiology and developmental biology at BYU, talking about, uh, you know, we need to return to normalcy. Everything that's gone on, we understand it now. We have a better feel for it. And the faster we can get to normalcy, the better off we'll be. All right, coming up on the Rod Arquette Show, Senator Mitt Romney proposing a plan to better compensate healthcare workers, grocery store employees, and other essential personnel working through the pandemic. Agree or disagree with that? Well, I'll explain coming up next on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS listening. You'll know. All right, time for us to uh, honor and recognize another great nurse or healthcare worker here in the state of Utah as part of National Nurses Day, which is coming up on Wednesday. We've been asking you now for the past couple of weeks to send us nominating letters in 250 words or less. Tell us why the nurse or healthcare worker in your life is really making a impact on your community. And we'd like to recognize this hour, Stacy Goodrich, who is nominated by Lori Goodrich. Here's what Lori writes about Stacy. She says, Stacy has been working on the front lines long hours in full protection gear since the beginning of this COVID-19 crisis. On February 27th, she posted an article about the coronavirus written by her old boss, warning all her Facebook contacts to take this virus very seriously, how contagious it is, and to wash hands. I've watched her very few Facebook posts working one of the first drive-up COVID testing sites by her clinic. Talk about not even time for bathroom breaks and working hours passed on the end of her shift. She has school-age kids at home, and her husband works in the medical field as well. Her post today was that she's so ready for this virus to go away, but knows it's not going to happen anytime soon. So congratulations to Stacy Goodrich as we recognize her. And Stacy, you've got a beautiful new designer blanket from Minky Couture on its way. We'll read another nominating letter coming up in the 6 o'clock hour right here. A 5th. That's irs.gov. This message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listening, you'll know how many of you watched the uh, President's two-hour town hall meeting with uh, Fox News and the uh, Lincoln Memorial last night. If you've, if you've never been to D.C. and been to the Memorial, I would strongly encourage you to do so. The uh, two-hour show got about uh, nearly 4 million viewers last night as the President answered questions from a lot of people. Of course, the media is having a field day with it. You know, the one thing that I think the president is trying to do now is to give the American people a little bit of hope. You know, he said last night that he's confident America will have a vaccine by the end of the year and had a number of other points to make last night. Of course, the media saying he lied, he lied, he lied. Uh, That's very typical of the media. But I think 
the idea that the president, I think he's moved into a new phase. The first phase, of course, was uh, letting Americans know what's going on and what they need to do. And now he's saying, okay, we've gone through that phase. It's time now to gear back up and get things going, giving us all a little bit of hope. And again, he got about nearly 4 million viewers on that two-hour town hall last night. Um, There's an idea that um, Utah Senator Mitt Romney is proposing. And basically what this is, it is a plan to better compensate healthcare workers, grocery store employees, other essential personnel who are working through the pandemic as an issue of hazardous pay uh, and maybe give them more money in their hourly wage because we're asking them to provide us needed services during this crisis. Um, Basically, what Romney wants to do is he wants to boost the pay of qualifying essential workers. And I'm not sure where that, you know, what the demarcation line is, but qualifying essential workers by up to $12 per hour for the next three months, a bonus that could be as much as about $1,920 a month. Um, Romney, in an uh, interview with the Washington Post over the weekend, said this is a proposal which I think is fiscally responsible, but recognizes the additional risk that people are taking. You know, uh, he noted that uh, as an essential worker who earns less than $22 per hour may ultimately pay paid less than someone earning unemployment benefits that was bolstered by Congress in the recent virus rescue packages. I hate the idea of giving people who are out of work right now the additional $600. There's no incentive there. And that's still in place until, what, sometime in September or the end of July? Something like that. So why anybody would ever vote for that idea, I don't know why. But now you have this idea that Mitt Romney is putting out, basically giving people who are working on the front lines an additional $12 an hour. Um, Here's how it would work. The idea, according to this uh, article today, the idea of hazard pay, additional compensation for those on the front lines of the pandemic, has brought conceptual support in Washington, broad conceptual support in Washington, yet neither the lawmakers nor the president have addressed the issue as of yet. Now, um, the uh, Utah Center's proposal covers a similarly broad swath of workers. The Labor Department and Congress would determine what industries would be deemed essential, but they would include a minimum, uh, at a minimum, hospitals, food distributors, manufacturers, employees who would have to prove that workers would be in conditions that increase their exposure to the coronavirus to qualify. So, Um, three-quarters of the money would be paid by the federal government in the form of a refundable payroll tax credit. The rest would be picked up by their employer. That boost in pay would last from May 1st through July 31st under the Romney plan. So I guess my question for you tonight is, um, should those people who are uh, working in grocery stores, uh, and many of them are wearing masks, I haven't found one who isn't yet, I haven't been to that many grocery stores, or our healthcare workers uh, be given a $12 an hour raise between now and the end of July because of the conditions in that working in right now. It's hazardous pay. And Mitt Romney feels, look, hey, if people don't have to work and can get an additional $600 in pay, why shouldn't we give a little extra money to people who are working in those critical industries that continue to ask their employees to work, even though they may be exposed 
the chances of being exposed to COVID-19 are greater for them because they're dealing with a wide array array of customers. My, my thoughts on this, real quick. Where on earth are we coming up with all this money? Um, you know, every time we turn around, we've got the government coming up with yet another rescue package. I think there's now talk of what would be the third or fourth rescue package out there. Where on earth are we going to come up with this money? And as an employer, now you may get some tax credits for doing this, but what if you had to kick in a little bit of extra money to pay your people right now? Maybe $12 more an hour. Could you handle that? So I'm not sure where Mitt Romney is coming up with this idea. I understand, kind of understand what he's trying to do. But, you know, whatever happened to fiscal conservatives? I mean, you, you know, I know we... We need to handle this situation, but we're just spending money on money on money, and I, I, I still don't understand how we're all going to pay for this. Or maybe, you know, all of us in our own monthly family budget sh- should work like the federal government and just spend, 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 and we'll get back to it sooner or later. We'll pay for it sooner or later. Or maybe we won't pay it at all. We'll leave it to the kids. 888-570-8010, Do you think those essential workers on the front line of the pandemic, the nurses, the healthcare workers, the grocery store workers, should they get hazard pay as a result of what we're asking them to do right now? Maybe as much as $12 an hour increase. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, all you do is have to dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. All right, let's talk about, for just a minute, what's going on in Utah dealing with the pandemic. Of course, we've gone now in from the uh, red phase, the uh, hazard phase, into the stabilization phase, or the moderate phase in dealing with COVID-19. Now, what that means is that some businesses and restaurants are starting to reopen. There are some restrictions. You're also being asked to continue with social distancing and to make sure you wash your hands following good hygiene. Now, you know, sit-down restaurants, there's sit-down dining out there now. Not everybody is doing it. Some of the gyms are starting to reopen. So the state is gradually moving into a phase, a different phase than what we've been in the past six to eight weeks. So, And if you'd like more information to find out what this is all about and what you can and cannot do as we slowly transition I invite you to call. Smart speakers and more. Over 250 different devices. iHeartRadio, because music is never canceled. Put me on a highway, the interstate, a dirt road to any place. Long as I'm long gone, chasing down some blue skies in my old truck. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Singing the song of freedom each and every day here on the Rod Arquette Show. Welcome back to Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know Mitt Romney uh, has uh, talked about a plan to, uh, he calls it hazard pay for workers on the front lines of the pandemic. Uh, Basically giving healthcare workers or grocery store workers or maybe even delivery truck drivers uh, an additional $12 an hour because they're on the front lines. We deal with this crisis. 
My question is, where on earth are we going to come up with all of this money that the federal government apparently just spends, spends, spends? And I'm getting getting your reaction to that. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, let's go to the phones. Right away, we begin in Riverdale with Clayton today on the Rod Arquette Show. Hi, Clayton. Hey, how you doing, Rod? I'm doing well. Clayton, what are your thoughts on this? I just don't see how keeping up with the Joneses has ever been a good idea. You know, your neighbor buys an Audi, so you need to go buy a Land Rover. I, I just, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand it. It's like this uh, highway patrolman pulling over the five-year-old. <laughs> the five-year-old stole his mother's vehicle, got on the highway, and he was on his way to California to buy a Lamborghini with $3 in his pocket. That's what Mitt yeah. Romney's doing, and he's driving the car. <laughs> I don't get it. And uh, I, I think he probably has more than $3 in his pocket, though, Clayton. Wouldn't you agree? But he has $3 <laughs> of our pocket yeah, money, yeah, and yet he's sure. going to California. And so my yeah. question would be, you know, the state of Utah has done a very good job spending its money. We have a budget surplus, if I understand correctly. Is that still the case, Rod? Do you know? Well, I think we have a budget surplus, but we also have a fairly substantial rainy day fund for for situations like this. So I agree. I think Utah's done a wonderful job wouldn't that in be budgeting perfect? its money. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice for the federal government to do, too? Why do we have to have the federal government stepping in in these types of situations? They've already spent a huge amount of money. And, you know, we already have overpay, or excuse me, overtime pay that's set up to pay them simply because they're on the front lines. I mean, there are people that would be begging to be working at a grocery store or if they were qualified to be in, you know, the medical field right now. You know, these people are begging to work, and yet we're going to pay the... I mean, I just don't get it. I don't understand how we can just spend more money just because... Yeah, I don't get it either, Clayton. Good points. Thank you for joining us. Let's go to Salt Lake City and see what Al has to say tonight on the Rod Arquette Show. Hi, Al. How you doing, sir? I'm doing yeah, well. So Thank you, Al. Ta- yeah. So my take on it is, is I don't believe we should be paying hazard pay. Number one is that, you know, uh, employers are already laying people off, furloughing people, so they're not going to be able to make up their portion of it, number one. And I truly believe that Romney concocted this idea just so he might be able to get on the other side where people might start liking him. Because I don't really see it going through because, again, again, it's just a waste of money. Uh, and I'm, I'm in an essential position for manufacturing, but I'm not really asking for an extra. I'm just happy to have the job uh, and will continue to do what I need to do. Yeah, I'm with you, Al. I'm, you know, we're working. I guess I'd be considered essential, and I've got people who are working with us as part of the being essential. We've got to be on the radio and share information with that. Would I like to get them extra money? Sure, I would, but I think that's a company decision, not the federal government's job to do it, if you want my opinion, Al. All right, Al, thank you for your phone call. Let's go to Park City and check in with Steve tonight on the Rod Arquette Go ahead, Steve. Rod, another politician that's just up in the night. I'm totally against his proposal. It's nothing more than a feel-good for himself. He's choosing winners and losers, and I love the people that are out there working in in the health, but as a self-employed contractor, we're having to scrape to do work right now. We're not getting any With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Employment, we can't get, they haven't even got the 1,200 bucks that they tried to get to. Wow, wow. And it's it just really sits bad that he chooses to do that for Certain people, not all. Yeah. How? How? Yeah, yeah. Steve, how bad is it? Uh, is it out there for self-employed people like yourself, Steve? Is everyone struggling right you're, now, just trying to find to jobs? Whatever, you're having to do whatever you can to try and make a buck because you're not getting anything coming in. And and it's not just because they've got the people shut down. I mean, <clears throat> the higher end uh, clientele are watching their stock stock portfolio, so they're not out there investing in real estate and and larger projects right now until the stocks come back up so yeah it's it's pretty tough out there we're having to work a lot of hours to make very little money and then they're paying unemployed extra money and they want to give hazard pay to everybody we don't have the extra funds to do it it's government a buck we don't all right steve thank you for your phone call hang in there man uh we're with you we'll get this economy going all right more your calls coming up on the monday afternoon edition of the rod arcancho mitt romney wants to uh want some hazard pay for those on the front line during this crisis, like the grocery store workers, the delivery truck drivers, I honor them for what they're doing, the nurses and healthcare workers. But where are we coming up with this money is what I'd like to know. 888-5708010-9233. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Who is more likely to snitch on their neighbor for violating the uh, stay-at-home or lockdown measures? Democrats or Republicans? <laughs> I've got a new survey out. I bet you can guess. Uh, new survey out. I'll share those numbers with you as we uh, develop the show this afternoon. Right now we're talking about this idea that Mitt Romney has. He talked about it on Friday. He's proposing a way for workers in frontline and essential jobs to get a temporary pay bump during the pandemic. Uh, Patriot pay is what he's calling it. It is a proposal uh, from the Utah senator aimed at providing bonus pay up to $12 an hour on top of normal wages for employees in eligible jobs. The increase would extend through May, June, and July 
and would be paid out by employers and the federal government via a payroll tax credit. What do you think of the idea? Back to the phones we go. Let's go to uh, Tim in Murray tonight on the Rod Arquette Show. Hi, Tim. Well, hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, real quick comment about your gentleman from BYU. He needs to replace Fauci. Secondly is, why doesn't Romney be more outspoken about um, restoring our constitutional rights and open the country, no restrictions, put people back to work, then we don't have to borrow a whole bunch more money, which I'll bet we're borrowing it from the Chinese since they're the biggest debt holder that we have. This is nuts. Yeah, it is nuts, Tim, and I'm with you on that. Why not push and be there with the president and say, Mr. President, I will join you in an effort to get this country re-going, uh, going once again? We've been into this now, what, Tim, six to eight weeks I think it's time to start opening up things more than they are. I think we're overthinking this, in my opinion, and we should just go at it and see what happens. Well, are we going to have all of this nonsense next year when it's just a flu season that kills about yeah. forty to 50,000? I mean, this is, this is just, as my old papa used to say, if it's not common sense, then there's a hidden agenda. Yeah, yeah, good point. All right, Tim, thank you. Let's stay in Murray and hear what Laura has to say on this tonight. Laura, welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Laura, I'm sorry, Laura and Murray. First of all, I do really, I really appreciate all of the doctors and nurses and what they do, but they went into those jobs because they knew that they would be helping all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess I'm having a problem with these essential workers because all jobs are essential to those that hold them and those that do them, those that provide money for their family. And this picking and choosing who's more important really bugs me because firefighters fight fires in 100-degree weather year-round whenever there's a wildfire or a police officer that goes out every day. They signed up for that. I just don't understand why a box boy at the grocery store should get 12 more dollars an hour why are they any more important than anybody else and then i'm with you on where does this money come from yeah good question laura if you can find out would you would you let me know because i guess the government just feels it can print money don't you wish you could do that for your budget every month just print the money and say here you go i'm moving on i mean it it, to me it's nuts i just think it's crazy All right, all right, let's go to uh, Kaysville and hear what uh, LeVere has to say on this tonight. LeVere, how are you? Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm happy to be on the show, Rod. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Hello. Oh, we lost. Uh, we lost. Lost Levere. All right. Uh, what Mitt Romney is trying to do, um, we had to call her a mo- moment ago, and I agree with him. I wish... Uh, I wish people uh, in government right now would, uh, would you know, the president is sending out a message of hope to the American people. And you heard that time and time again last night. Now, hyperbole, that's just who he is. You know, he talks about things sometimes. Everyone, the media says, well, you're lying, you're lying, or you're lying. What politician doesn't deal in hyperbole? But Mitt Romney uh, is, could, uh, I think, serve the people of Utah 
in working with the president, even though I don't know if that's going to happen anymore because obviously there's no love lost between those two guys, uh, in serving the president and all senators and all lawmakers in serving the president and say, all right, Mr. President, let's get a good hard look at the facts and figures right now and let's see what we can in fact do to get this country going. And Laura just brought up the fact, you know, how about the, the firefighters out there, the police officers out there, the EMTs out there? They know what they're getting into. You know, they know that uh, when they leave home every day, in some cases, especially for firefighters and police officers, you know, and I've never understood how their families can go through this each and every day, knowing when they leave home, there is a slight chance they may not be coming back simply because of what happened on their job. It is a dangerous job in what they do. Now, you wouldn't think that a bag boy at a grocery store uh, would would be in danger. They may be right now because of COVID-19. If an employer wants to give them a little bit more money, a bonus of some sort, maybe a gift certificate to the you know to the grocery store so they could give it to you know themselves or to mom and dad if teenagers work in grocery stores anymore as a way of saying thank you. But for the federal government to step up and do this, um, I, I just I have a tough time with it. Um, you know, and yes, we appreciate it. You know, every time I've been in the grocery store, I haven't been in there that much in the past six to eight weeks. But I, I, I make sure I see somebody and I tell them, thank you for being here. And thank you for, you know, stocking the shelves, cutting the meat, uh, putting me through uh, the uh, checkout line. Thank you for doing that. Because I know right now for some people, you know, they're afraid. Uh, but we're scaring people into obedience. And that's the problem I've had with this whole thing all along. We're frightening people to obey. And, you know, I hope as we step back from this and maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe 10 years, that we look back on this and we say, what did we learn? We cannot do stuff like this again. We have to really think. You know, as Brett Stevens wrote in the New York Times, he's a conservative columnist, even though not that conservative, but I think he said it right, is that America is being asked to play by New York rules. Let me tell you what. It's a product of Utah. Available on Amazon and at your local pharmacy and bio35.com. We're live, we're local, and of course, you can take us anywhere with the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. The Rod Arcan Show continues here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know here in just a few minutes. Stay with us. We'll recognize another nurse or healthcare worker here in the state of Utah and award them with a wonderful designer blanket from Minky Couture as we gear up for National Nurses Day coming up on Wednesday. We will read four names each and every day during the Rod Arquette Show between 4 and 7 here on KNRS and recognize them, uh, tell you a little about them and why they're receiving this recognition, and then award them with a wonderful blanket from our good friends at Minky Couture. So we'll we'll announce two nurses this hour. That's coming up here on the Rod Arquette Show in Utah's Talk Radio 105.9. KNRS, listen, and you'll know. I don't know. I have read as much as, I guess, humanly possible, I think, sometimes, in trying to sort out all the details of what happened with Michael Flynn, the retired Army Lieutenant General, specialized in intelligence operations, and trying to understand the case against him. 
and why he pleaded guilty, why he is serving time, what are what are the what revelations of these new documents provided us as far as the behavior of the Obama White House, the FBI, the Justice Department. It is a very complex and confusing case. And I saw this story over the weekend, written by my next guest, Fred Lucas, who is a White House correspondent for the Daily Signal, as he talked about five keys to understanding the case against Michael Flynn. And Fred is joining us on our Newsmaker Line right now. Fred, how are you? And welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Is this as confusing as it seems to be to a lot of people, Fred? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think so. <laughs> I, mean, I I I think I think I mean, in in Washington, a lot of talking heads will try to uh, try to overly simplify it. But yeah, it, it is a very confusing thing in the sense that, um, like most of the people uh, in in the Mueller case that, that were caught up in that web. Um, Michael Flynn, first of all, he was uh, convicted on a process crime, which was uh, um, not an actual underlying crime, but rather um, in the process of the investigation, he admitted to lying to FBI agents. Um, There was a lot of question for a really long time as to whether he really lied. Uh, The FBI initially didn't think he had lied, Um, but then... He, he was pressured uh, because his son was facing certain potential charges yeah, over yeah. Foreign Agent Registration Act, which is that in itself is a uh, very rarely enforced law. But, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm almost making things, might be making things more confusing here, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I would well, say that they've went first one after him over the Logan Act, which has never once been prosecuted uh, in about 200 years of its existence. Uh, and they ended up getting threatening to get him on the on FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is rarely prosecuted. Uh, and he ended up they ended up getting him on lying to FBI agents, which that was very ambiguous whether he even did that. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy, Fred. Okay, yeah. let's go th- through some of the takeaways and points we need to understand in this case. What is his current status in court? What is where where does he stand in the judicial system right now? He, he has right now um, has asked the uh, the court to um, if he can withdraw the initial guilty plea. So 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 they've entered a motion to withdraw that guilty plea that he first made in December uh, of 2017. Uh, a lot of this has to do with um, he has different counsel now, and this is another weird wrinkle and this weird unfolding drama that has all these technicalities. But uh, Sidney Powell, who is a uh, former, uh, she was a very good federal prosecutor at one point. Uh, she knows how these things work. She's his defense attorney now. Um, previously, he had he was uh, with the um, major D.C. firm of Covington and Burling. Um, however, they did not, um, just as the government did not actually provide all the exculpatory uh, evidence in this case to the defendant, his own law firm wasn't actually providing all the uh, evidence for him in that case because uh, they actually had sort of a conflict of interest with the Fair case themselves. They had advised him not to uh, register as a foreign agent. Uh, so, so, so his previous counsel was looking at a bit of a conflict of interest themselves. That's yeah, why yeah. he has new legal counsel who have given who have given him much better legal advice, and I think. 
he is looking at a much better situation right now than previously was. Yeah. Well, these new documents, of course, much has been made of them since they were released a few days ago. Fred, what is so significant about these new documents? What have they revealed? Oh, well, um, they revealed something very bad about the FBI. And, and, and let's, uh, let's be clear with, with one note of caution, which is sometimes documents come out uh, and then uh, um, they look really bad, and other documents come out later and they give maybe a little bit of clarification uh, to something and maybe put it in more context. But what is out right now looks very horrible for the FBI. And what you have um, a meeting with uh, the FBI's counterintelligence chief, Bill Estep, and met with James Comey and Andrew McCabe, who have sort of seemed like bad actors on a lot of fronts. Uh, and they talked about uh, the notes from that discussion talked about what is our goal here? Uh, is it get to uh, get him to admit to breaking the law? Or do we want to get him to lie? And I think uh, that quote, to get him to lie, uh, really jumped out at people. Um, sort of gets, gets to be, that's, that's fundamentally, I think people sort of view that as uh, wrong, <laughs> fundamentally, at, at <laughs> core, that, that, that you, you're trying to entrap someone uh, if you try to do that. And um, at that point, um, uh, there, there was also uh, more documents released that um, Peter Strzok, the, the infamous Peter Strzok, mm-hmm. was involved yeah, in this. Yeah. He was actually one of the two FBI agents who went over to the White House and questioned Mike Flynn early on. Uh, and uh, the FBI was going to drop the case entirely. There was a memo to that effect. Peter Strzok jumped in and, like, basically, Said, uh, yeah. in a series of text messages, yeah, you know, since text messages tend to be Peter Strzok's preferred way to communicate, um, he was very, you know, very insistent that you do not drop these, this investigation, don't drop these charges. So uh, I think when you wow. throw wow. Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, and Jim Comey into the situation, things automatically look bad and things automatically look more favorable for Michael Flynn. Another question, final question. I'm up against a hard break here, but hopefully you can answer this one for us. Uh, what about a presidential pardon? Is the president leaning in that direction at all at this point? Uh, president Trump says uh, he doesn't think he's going to have to pardon him because uh, he thinks he's probably going to get off. Um, I think there's probably a good chance that if the judge in this case um, determines uh, that he can enter a uh, or withdraw that uh, initial guilty plea, then at that point, I'm thinking the Justice Department might just drop the matter. Uh, if, 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 however, the judge uh, doesn't, then, then then I think we're probably going to see a pardon from Trump. Uh, Trump huh. does not mind using clemency at all, as we've seen. No, and, doesn't. And, and I right. think, Fred, I think great. He, uh-huh. he, this is very wrong. So, yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, all right. Fred, thank you. Appreciate your time tonight. Thank, thanks for having me on. On our Newsmaker line, he's the White House correspondent for the Daily Signal, put together each day by the uh, Heritage Foundation, Fred Lucas, talking about the uh, complicated case against Michael Flynn. The Rod Arcancio continues here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9. KNRS listening, you'll know, but it's time again to recognize one of our great nurses and healthcare workers here in the state of Utah as part of our Salute and National Nurses Day coming up on Wednesday. We'd like to recognize Renee Atwood, Nominated by Scott Hammond. 
Now, Renee, as an ER educator, she was given the incredible task of helping train redeployed nurses to help deal with COVID-19. Scott writes she did so with amazing grace, professionalism, and concern. He said she sacrifices her own sleep and personnel time to make sure they are well-trained nurses to treat the community. She genuinely cares for each nurse and she is teaching and the community in which she serves. She is an amazing resource and asset to the UVHER. She goes above and beyond in everything she does and truly deserves recognition as one who has made it possible to help the community. So we'd like to again recognize Renee Atwood for her dedication during this COVID-19 pandemic and recognize her with a beautiful designer blanket from our good friends at Minky Couture. Congratulations to Renee. We've got another... Find America's arch support experts in Farmington and Sandy. Call 1-800-NEW-FEET or visit goodfeetnw.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Throughout our catch you on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9, KNRS, listen and you'll know, has COVID-19 in this pandemic impacted your sleep? I bet it has. We'll talk about that coming up at 35 past the hour right here on the Radar Catch Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9, KNRS. Oh, I wanted to get to this up. Uh, the survey, before I go to John Fund here in a minute, I ha- have any of you out there who are listening to the show tonight decided to rat out your neighbor? I mean, let's say, you know, we're now up to 20 people that you can hang around with in your home. But let's say you've got a weekend party going on. There are well more than 20 people. Would you snitch on somebody? Well, a new poll shows that Democrats and millennials are more likely to rat out their neighbors than the Republicans. See if I've got the numbers in front of me here. The numbers say, let's see, where is this? A poll from justthenews.com conducted by Scott Rasmussen, our good friend, asked this question. Suppose that in violation of stay-at-home rules, your neighbor had 15 to 20 people at your home. Would you report them to the police? According to Rasmussen, 36% of Americans say they would report their neighbors. 45% say they would not. 
a huge difference in the responses by Democrats and Republicans. Among Republicans, 44% say they would call the cops. 31% say they would not. Republicans, a lot less likely to rat out. The neighbors, only 25% say they would. 60% say they would leave well enough alone. All right, a lot of comparisons have been made between the COVID-19 pandemic and the Spanish flu of 1918 and 1919. But what about the Hong Kong flu and what happened then? That took place back in 1968. To talk about it right now is John Fun from the National Review Online. John has taken a look at this. John, thanks for joining us tonight. Why compare the two, John? Because we've completely forgotten the lessons of the Hong Kong flu pandemic of 68 or 69. I'm just old enough to remember it, so I did a lot of historical research. And we handled it completely different back then. It was a very serious virus. Uh, Immunity was not available. It was a new virus. Uh, It killed, if you adjust for population growth, 165,000 Americans. And we handled it differently. We conducted some uh, social distancing. We made sure to wash our hands a lot. We used alcohol swabs to rub a lot of things down. But we didn't close schools. We didn't close workplaces. And we didn't crater the economy. In fact, 1969 showed 5% economic growth, and it was the last time in 30 years we had a balanced budget. So the, the policy response was completely different. And there are various cultural and psychological and, frankly, scientific conformity reasons and media reasons that explain that. Well, and you write about that, John. You, you, you talk about the fact that the world we live in today is is much different from the 60s. And how has this different difference affected how we've reacted to COVID? Well, for one thing, I think we were more resilient then. We had children who had lived through mumps and measles and chicken pox. And, you know, viruses were something that people were used to. This was just another one. Uh, we also didn't have helicopter parents who were obsessed with risk-free environments for their <laughs> children. And by the way, the coronavirus, we do know one thing about it. It's almost no transmission from children to adults, and children very, very seldom get it, unlike traditional flus. So that's one reason. Another reason is the media. I mean, in 1968, it would have been preposterous to have had a net television network put up a death clock where, you know, every couple seconds another person dies and another three or four people get cases. I mean, <laughs> the media has been absolutely <laughs> eye-poppingly you know, out, out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner on this. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the role of science has changed quite a bit. Uh, explain that a little bit more. Well, the good news is we have much better medical technology. We certainly were able to identify uh, the sequ- genetic sequencing of the virus much more quickly. Uh, We certainly have better tracing and better testing, but it's sort of like the old story of the forest and the trees. You see the forest, but you can't necessarily, uh, you see all the individual trees, but you can't see the forest as a whole. Uh, The the mass amounts of data we're getting in on the virus uh, sometimes blind us to what the really important questions are, which is, here's the most important question of all. In all of recorded human history, we have tried to protect the frail, the vulnerable, and the sick from a virus. 
We have never tried to imprison almost the entire adult healthy population and shut down an economy to prevent it. Why is that? Because there is no scientific evidence that lockdowns work. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Uh, Burks recognize that. They admit it. They admit this is a theory. They're conducting an experiment, except that we're the guinea pigs. <laughs> and the U.S. economy and the world economy is uh, paying the price for being guinea pigs as well, John. John, with all this information that we have nowadays, you were talking about this, like death clocks and 24-hour news and stuff like that. Has it, and, and Americans, I think, today are much better informed than they used to be. Is that putting more pressure on politicians to do something? Uh, I've talked to several elected officials privately, and off the record, they tell me the following. The media hypes up the hysteria People add their own fear component to it. There's a demand to do something. Uh, Politicians are approached by public health officials who say, you know, here's a nail. Here's a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. Use the hammer. So you use the hammer. (laughs) Do something. And it takes an enormous amount of political courage, given the social pressures of the conventional wisdom, for a politician to say, Exactly why am I doing this? Has it worked elsewhere? Shouldn't we look at Sweden, which is, has a completely different approach? Uh, it takes an enormous amount of political courage, and that, frankly, is in short supply right now. Well, I was going to ask you about that, John. What if a politician did step to the microphone and say something along the lines of, uh, hey, can we just step back for a minute, really take a look at what's going on, then we'll design a plan as to how to deal with it, instead of this instant reaction, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I mean, what would happen to a politician like that, John? Um, political lynching. Well, at the very least, they'd be, <laughs> at the very least, people would say, "But people are dying now. They're dying now." <laughs> yeah. And here's the point. Here's the big thing we're going to learn in about six months. Yes, we flattened the curve, but remember what the original excuse was: we're going to have to save our healthcare systems from collapse mm-hmm. by yeah. being overburdened. Yeah. Then they moved the goalposts. Now we're supposed to fight and conquer the virus. And if we, low, if we raise the lockdown up a, just a little bit um, or lower the lockdown, guess what? We're going to have a spike. The question here is, is this like other viruses where you're going to have a certain number of deaths, almost all very old people with preexisting conditions, and you simply are delaying the death over a period of time? Or like the Swedes, they've decided... Look, we missed the boat. We didn't, you know, control the the hospices and the nursing homes well enough. So we're going to have to ride this out. There's cost to it, but we're not going to have a spike in a second wave nearly as bad as we're going to if the lockdown cont- contains the transmission too much. Final question for you: You, in your uh, last art, uh, last couple of lines in your column, talk about Ronald Reagan and his thoughts on uh, this fear that I think uh, is out there right now when he talked about nuclear energy and nuclear power. Can you share that with us, John? Well, what Reagan said as he left office in California as governor, he said, we cannot have a risk-free society. Everything has to be calibrated. We have to weigh the costs and the benefits. And they're they were, he knew when he was briefed on the virus in 1969 as governor, if you keep people indoors for six to eight weeks, you're going to have more cancer screenings that aren't conducted. You're going to have more depression. You're going to have more suicides. You're going to have alcoholism. You're going to have domestic violence. Those are real health costs. The best guess we have is every 1% increase in unemployment leads to 40,000 extra deaths a year. Well, we've only had 60,000 deaths so far from coronavirus. At some point, the lockdown costs more lives than it saves at some point. On our Newsmaker line, always enjoyable to uh, have a chance to talk with John Fun from the National Review Online talking about the forgotten Hong Kong flu pandemic 
and lessons we should have learned from 1968. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show on this Monday evening. I want to take a minute right now and talk to you about Restore Hyper Wellness. If you're looking for a better way to address your aches and pains without medication, I recommend you call Restore Hyper Wellness today. Restore Hyper Wellness offers treatments that can really reduce and relieve pain. Treatments like cryotherapy. I've done cryotherapy, a session of it. You walk out of cryotherapy session and you feel like a million bucks. Man, do you feel good. They also offer treatments like compression therapy and hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Visit Restore Wellness, Hyper Restore Wellness today in Draper and Sugar House or on their new location, in their new location, coming into Farmington, opening in June. Call them today at 385-255-CRYO. That's 385-255-CRYO. That's C-R. Over 250 different devices. Here when you need us. And always free. Download the iHeartRadio app now. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. You know, I have to admit that I uh, sometimes feel guilty when I talk about uh, people having trouble sleeping at night uh, because I sleep well. You know, I'm probably one of the few Americans. I mean, I sleep like a baby. There's very little that bothers me when I go to bed at night. Uh, I've often remarked to my wife, you know, you could drive a tank through the house, and I probably wouldn't wake up. I'm not that heavy of a sleeper, but I generally get a pretty good night's sleep. My wife, on the other hand, has a tough time sleeping at night, and she'll often get up. She, her mind gets working too much, and she'll go out on our couch in the family room, turn on the TV, and fall right asleep. Again, I don't think that's the best sleep you can get, but that's the way she does. You know, people have a tough time getting a good night's sleep. Well, with everything that's going on in this country today, the pandemic, the earthquake that we had a few days after it was announced that uh, the stay-at-home uh, restrictions were going to go into place. I mean, for some people, they're having a tough time getting a good night's sleep. Let's dig into this a little bit more with Dr. Kelly Barron. She is an associate professor at the Department of Family and Preventive Medicine up at the University of Utah, and she's joining us on our Newsmaker line right now. Uh, Dr. Barron, how are you, and welcome to the show. Thanks, doing well. I know you're trying to, you're starting a, uh, a project to kind of get some information as to how this pandemic and the earthquake and combining those two is affecting people and getting a good night's sleep. Any guess as to what type of answers you may be getting back? Well, we're just getting this start study going, and so we're looking to recruit 200 people for this study. So we're still recruiting, and we're hoping to get people from all over Utah from ages 18 and up to really understand how this is affecting people's sleep. But the early data really suggests a couple things are happening. I mean, first of all, it's not affecting everybody in the same way. As you said, you sleep like a rock and your wife is tossing and turning. And, you know, there are some people that are really affected by this. You know, there's a lot of anxiety about jobs and uncertainty and, and that sort of thing. And some people just tend to be a little bit lighter sleeper. On the other hand, working from home has been good for some people. And on average, Fitbit is saying people are sleeping about 12 minutes longer because they don't have to commute into work. Isn't that interesting? No, that is interesting because I would be thinking working from home could be a challenge because if you're working from home, 
you're never really leaving work, but is that having an impact on some people? That's certainly one thing that's happening. They're finding that people are having a longer work day. You know, you would think that you might have more balance, but instead your work day can just kind of bleed into the evening and then back into work. You know, I'm a professor, so honestly, my work is kind of popping in all the time. But, you know, yeah. you think about people are home with their kids and they're having to juggle all these things. And so the balance is totally upended. And that can be stressful, especially if you're working on media into the night and, you know, reading the news and, and that sort of thing. What about the earthquake and mixing the earthquake with the pandemic? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't know if that's, a, uh, if that's had an impact, is it? I know. I don't know about you, but certainly the first couple of days after the earthquake, my nerves were shattered. So it's like when you're already <laughs> stressed with one thing, it can put you over. And you know, I'm still hearing of people who are having strange dreams, who are having um, phantom earthquakes. And for, for most people, that goes over in a couple of days. But you know, the other people that perhaps grew up in California and were more sensitized to having you know, the bigger yeah, Northridge yeah. earthquake or other things where this can really kind of shake them a little bit more. How much is the uh, COVID-19 having on people who worry simply about getting sick or their loved ones getting sick? There's a, a lot of ways that that sort of worry can impact sleep. I mean, I'm hearing about people who are worried that lack of sleep will increase their risk for getting COVID. And, you know, at this point, we have no evidence to suggest that's the case. We do know that people who sleep, you know, habitually less than six hours have an increased risk of having a cold. But it turns out they're not at an increased risk of getting a cold infection. They're actually, if they are infected, they have worse symptoms. Um, but, you know, a cold is different than the flu and is different than COVID. It, but we do know that sleep does impact your immunity. So it's one of those things like sleep and exercise and getting sunlight and those sort of things. You know, they're good for your body in so many ways. But, you know, we don't really think you should be worrying about how not sleeping will infect your, will affect your infection because basically worrying about not sleeping is pretty much the worst thing that you can do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Dr. Byrne, um, what about sleep patterns? Uh, working from home, and I've been doing that now for what? We're into our seventh week, I believe, of doing this. I find myself staying up a little bit later and getting up a little bit later every day. Is that good or bad? That's really interesting. I mean, I found that I'm on precisely the same pattern. Like, it's almost ridiculous how exactly <laughs> the same pattern I'm on. So, you know, I think... I think, first of all, the, the most important thing is being on any pattern at all. That people do need regularity. You know, we, we, were, we evolved, you know, creatures evolved to be on a regular pattern in sync with the light-dark cycle. Now, we live indoors, and we've got indoor light, so, like, that's all disrupted. But we do best if we're on a regular rhythm. But I think my message is that that rhythm doesn't have to be exactly the same that you were on previously, especially for teenagers. You know, they had to go to school, like, in the middle of the night when it's dark out, you know. Gosh, they can sleep in until their more natural time of 9 or 10. I'm not saying stay in bed until noon or 2, but, you know, for a lot of people working from home, they don't have to get up at 5 or 6. They can sleep into a more natural time for them, which might be 6.30 or 7, you know, and that could be actually a really good thing. So I do think some people, especially the school teachers and the school kids, <laughs> can sleep in a little bit and they may feel a little bit better. The science of dreams, I always have found very, very fascinating. And you point out in this Salt Lake Tribune article that you've actually had some patients report that they are having more vivid dreams. What do you think is going on? And it's not even only patients. I have friends and family members. Really? I'm even really? having these vivid dreams. <laughs> and, and 
going through this pandemic, I mean, first of all, you know, REM sleep, rapid eye movement, is just one of the stages of sleep that we have. And so, you know, it's even if you don't remember your dreams, you're probably still having REM. Um, but dreams are where we process emotions and memories, and we take memories from short-term to long-term. And so the fact that we're having more vivid dreams, it probably just reflects that we're having emotions. You know, there's a lot happening right now. I know my dreams are they're kind of weird and you know i had to dream about a grizzly bear <laughs> like it's really bizarre <laughs> but i'm kind of a vivid dreamer i'm just having it a lot more lately and and patients and some of my friends and family members are talking about this as well i think we're just all experiencing you know an increased time of stress there's a lot going on to process well interesting fascinating dr Barron. good luck with your study and thanks for joining us for a few minutes tonight thank you very much all right, on our Newsmaker line, that's Dr. Kelly Barron. She is an associate professor at the Department of Family and Preventive Medicine. They are, in fact, launching a new sleep study in dealing with the pandemic and the earthquakes. Matter of fact, if you want to be a participant, there are no in-person visits, and participants are compensated for their time. If you'd like more information, give them a call right now, 801-585-1123. That's 801-585-1123, or email sleep lab at utah.edu that's sleep lab at utah.edu if you'd like to be a part of that sleep study all right now i want to take one more minute now of your time to recognize another one of the great nurses or healthcare workers here in the state of utah who are going above and beyond as they say the call of duty in dealing with covid19 of course national nurses day is coming up on wednesday and over the past couple of weeks we've asked Many of you, somebody as a nurse or a, have a friend who's a nurse or a healthcare worker in their family, to in 250 words or less, write to us and tell us why they should be recognized. Well, right now, we'd like to recognize Cindy Price, who is nominated by Stephen Clark. Stephen writes, Cindy Price is a nurse that truly deserves some recognition. Cindy has worked really hard to be a super competent and highly trained caregiver. She is truly loved by many that she cares for and support many in the capacity as an angel nurse. Cindy bravely faces really tough circumstances from time to time in her nursing career and care. She not only demonstrates her competency in the level of care she provides her patients, but she offers her patients strength and support in a most caring and loving way. So we'd like to recognize Cindy Price for her efforts and the impact she's having on her community as a nurse and healthcare worker. And for that, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.